Thanks, Wesley. Hey, welcome, everybody. How are you? All right, you're going to have to stand up. Stand up. Go ahead, really, stand up where you are. Stand up. I know it is raining outside. It is a dreary, uh, dreary day. Uh, there are some people who are on fall break. You didn't get a fall break, so you didn't get to go anywhere. You're, you know, you're not feeling, you know, too well. So one more time. How are you, everybody? Hey, there we go. Uh, that, that's, that's really good. Now, now here's, what I would, here's what I would like for you to, um, uh, here's what I'd like for you to do this morning. All right? I want you to sing with me. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Down in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack. Sit on attack. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, down in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. One more time. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. So I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart, down in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Hey, good job, everybody. All right, have a seat, have a seat. Hey, when I was a kid, I, I didn't always like coming to church. Um, and, and you're like, man, the preacher's going to be honest today about that. I'm just going to have to, um, going to, have to own that, that it really wasn't my thing as a seven-year-old, you know? Um, I'm not for sure exactly where the notion came from that I had to, you know, just sit on a pew and be a good boy. It could have been because my father said, hey, I want you to sit on the pew and be a good boy. Maybe that's where, I don't know, maybe that's where, where it came from, but... I can remember looking around, and I knew people in church growing up that I knew these men and women who were supposed to be role models for me, but they just didn't look like they enjoyed church that much. In fact, even when we would sing upbeat songs and rejoice before God, sometimes they did it with a very sour look on their face. And, and so you're sitting there, and you've got these hard pews. Man, we, you know, we've got We've got the nice soft pews, you know, these days. Some places, you know, have nice soft chairs. How many of you, how many of you, you were raised in church, I mean, you were real Christians because you had pews with no pads. How many of you had that? All right. Look at the faithful that are among us right here. That is, that, that is, that is great. Man, you know, Sunday mornings for me, it meant getting up, getting up early on a non-school day. And squeezing into a coat and tie, yeah, even as a kid, I'd wear a coat and tie when I would come to church. And, and, and then you'd have to sit there on those pews and try to make sure that your backside didn't go to sleep or, 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 or that, you know, right there in the small of your back didn't just start to ache, right? 
And, and, and so maybe you were like me and you wanted to lie down on the pew. Remember that? You'd want to lie down on the pew, and that's about the time my dad would say, sit up and be a good boy. Yeah. My mom would bring Cheerios for me to try to, you know, give me, give me some incentive to be a good boy and to set up and to, and to participate. And I just wondered, I'm like, man, I'm listening to this guy talk about something that is so way over my head, and I really don't get it, and he's just going on and on. Now, granted, he did, did it with great gusto. Right? I mean, he seemed really excited about the things that he was sharing, but I just really didn't understand it. And I was like, where's the fun in all of this? It's not that I didn't love God. I loved him just as much as, as any seven-year-old could. It's just that, well, I would have rather been out there. Right? I, I would have rather been out, outside in, in the neighborhood and riding my bike around and having G.I. Joe battles, or playing smear the man with the football. I mean, all my buddies, we couldn't wait until the last amen was said so that we could run as fast as we could out the church doors, into the yard, get the football, and then just begin to pounce on each other. It was a great Christian activity. It was how we, we built one another up towards love and good deeds. That's what we did. But you know, church... Church just seemed to lack some of the things that I wanted. I longed for fun, and I longed for excitement. I longed for challenge, and I longed for adventure. You know, we're in the series right now that's called My Best Life. It's all about discovering how to live the life that God has called us to live. And I've told you before, I mean, who doesn't want that? You ask somebody, do you want to live your best life? And they're like, yeah, I want to live my best life. That's great. Anybody not want to live their best, best life? Nobody raises their hand for that one. And the good news is that God says, look, I want you to enjoy life at its best. In fact, it's a promise from God. Psalm 32, verse 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you, and I will watch over you. God says, I, I want you to enjoy your best life. And I want to guide you there. I mean, after all, if Scripture is to be believed, and, and I truly believe that it is, God created us, He is our designer, and so it just makes sense that we should look to Him to say, all right, Lord, where do you want that best life to be found? See, the whole premise of the series is that we've tried all other things. We've gone all other places looking for life. Why not give God an opportunity to show us what life can be? John Eldridge begins his book, The Journey of Desire, by writing, there is a secret, there's a secret set within our hearts. It often goes unnoticed. We rarely can put words to it. And yet it guides us through the days of our lives. This secret remains hidden for the most part in our deepest selves. It is the desire for life as it was meant to be. And then he asks the question, isn't there a life you have been searching for all your days. Searching for life. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about the choices or your conduct in this way. I mean, why did you choose the friend group that you chose in, in high school or in college? Why did you enter that relationship? Why did you choose that major? Why did you decide to take this job, but then also later choose not to take this job? Why did you move into the neighborhood that you moved into? Join the gym. Why did you take that trip? Why do you buy what you buy? 
Why do you eat the things that you eat? Drink the things that you drink? You see, each of us is on a quest for life as it was meant to be. And so God says, hey, why don't you let me show you what that life is like? But we hesitate. We hesitate because we're afraid that life with God will be boring. You're afraid it's going to be boring. <laughs> and so I got up one day and I walked out of church. Just got up and walked out. Went to the bathroom. And I stayed there. And there I began to sing Amazing Grace. While everybody else was in the auditorium having communion. And it was a very small building. There wasn't a lot of distance between the auditorium and the lobby and the bathroom. And there, while others were contemplating the sacrifice of Jesus, and while the bread and cup were being served, everything was quiet except for this little voice coming from the bathroom singing Amazing Grace. That was my own little church time. That was where I got to, to have church. It was, it was me and, and God, and, and, and I just sang to the, to the top of my lungs. I don't remember why. I just remember I was getting out of church. It was too quiet. It was too, too slow, perhaps. It was too boring. At least, perhaps that was in my mind when I was little and when I was young. Maybe for you it's something similar, but you're not seven anymore. Maybe you're 17, and you look around saying, why am I here? Or maybe you're 29 and you think that you, you know from experience that life out there is better than life in here. Maybe you're 49 and the challenge and adventure is exactly what you are looking for these days. Maybe you're 69 and you believe that the time for adventure has just passed you by. You know, way before James Bond and Captain Jack Sparrow and way before Indiana Jones and and way before Roy Rogers and John Wayne and, and way before Errol Flynn. I mean, how far back do I need to go for, for some of you, right? Way before Robin Hood and King Arthur and Ulysses. Way before the great adventures that boys and girls have dreamed up. There was a small band of brothers and sisters who set out on the ultimate adventure. All because there was a rogue rabbi from Galilee who said, follow me. Follow me. And I want you to think for a moment about all the places that you would have gone if you would have been one of those first disciples. I mean, Jesus got himself kicked out of his own hometown. And he almost got himself killed. He tore up the temple with all the money changers. In the middle of a raging storm out on the Sea of Galilee, there you would be in a little fishing boat just knowing that this was going to be the end. And there's Jesus sleeping as everybody around him is scared out of their minds. Jesus went out and found lepers and touched them. He went to the outcast. He talked to the prostitutes. He ate with tax collectors. He spent time with the poor. He debated the religious elite. What part of town would you have ended up in? Where would you have gone and what would you have seen during these days with Jesus? Every day was a new step along Adventures Road as, as those who walked with him explored God's kingdom. Now does this sound like your life? Does this sound like what it is that, that you are currently living and what you are participating in? Or is your discipleship more monotonous than adventurous? Now look, I realize that we're all not necessarily called to go to Africa, but neither are we just called to come and sit 
on a pew. You know, there is so much more to the Christian life than just these two hours here on Sunday morning. Now look, give God your praise on Sunday. But friends, don't forget to give him your all on Monday. See, we are here, we are here to be Jesus for those who are out there. That adventure begins in our own communities, and it begins in our own neighborhoods, and in our own households, and it's a grand adventure. Out there is where the adventure is lived. Now we come in here to get recharged, and we come in here to be reminded that we're not on this adventure alone, but it is out there. It is on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It is when we're at school. It's when we're at work. It's when we're in the grocery store and in the line at the bank. All the places that we go, that's where the adventure is lived out, and that's where the Christian life is seen. But yet I don't believe we usually talk about following Christ in adventure terms. You see, too many times I think we have been taught that faith means that we agree with a set of religious facts about Jesus and the church rather than choosing to follow our leader into the great unknown and, and there take our stand against the armies of Satan and pursue holiness with all-out abandon. See, Christianity has been marketed as facts to be believed instead of an adventure to be lived. But Jesus says, follow me and see where I take you. Follow me and see what you experience. Follow me and see where I place you. Follow me and see who you impact. He said in Mark 1 and verse 17, Follow me and I will make you to become. To become signifies a change of condition. It signifies a change in state or place. It implies motion and, and movement and growth. There's a word that's used in your Bible in Romans chapter 12 in verse 2. It's the, it, it's the word for transformation. And we're told that there should be a change that takes place in our life. Romans 8 and verse 29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. You see, transformation is the goal. But it's not always very easy because of our default settings. You know, you go and you get a computer and you open it up. And, you know, after the logos pop up and everything, you get the default setting. And you get the default setting there on the computer, and it gives you the different icons and, and some different prompts and things. But then you're able to go and, and play with it, and you're able to add to, and you're able to take away. But, but every device, every computer, every phone, they all come with a default setting. And I think churches can develop default settings as well. And I think one of the... One of the ones that's most common is, is non-discipleship Christianity. Non-discipleship Christianity. That's where we attend meetings and we pay dues and we agree with principles and we manage sin. We deal with marriage problems according to Dr. Phil. We spend Sunday mornings looking under the car seat, seeing if there's a Bible there. We worry all the time. We run up mountains of debt. We argue about getting our way. We, we hold grudges and we refuse to change our habits. And is it any wonder that our churches are then filled oftentimes with little excitement and, and empty coffers and unspoken doubts and, and clouds of guilt? You see, we have been convinced that we can worship Jesus without ever having to follow Jesus. And it's the lie of our age. Christianity without Christ. And that's what we're being sold. And that's what's being marketed to us. Even though you read in Scripture, 
Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. There is a change that takes place when you agree to go on the adventure with God. There's a change that takes place in the way that you purpose your life, the choices that you begin to make, the way that you begin to use your resources. It begins to come out in every facet of your life. Bill Hull, in his book, Choose the Life, he asked this, how much longer, how much longer will we tolerate thinking we cannot really live like Jesus, follow Jesus, and be transformed into his likeness? He says the problem is that we have given up on everyone being transformed disciples. We have said by our actions that carnal Christianity is acceptable. We have downgraded the norm. It is no longer taking up one's cross daily in an act of self-denial. We have settled for pseudo-transformation characterized by external behaviors that pass for holiness. And yet Jesus told us that a student can be like his teacher. Jesus believed, Jesus believed that you could put away your destructive habits, that you could overcome your addictions, that you could enjoy spiritual fruit, that you could rise above your past, he believed that you could enter a great adventure with him where you would be more than conquerors, where there would be impact, where there would be a legacy that you would leave. And I think there's so many of us, that's what we want. We want to live that great adventure. We want to accomplish great things through our lives. And some of us I know even pray, God, use me. Use me for your glory. But if God is going to use my life, then he first must have my life. If God must have my life, then my life must be adjusted to his way of living, and to his way of thinking, to his way of being. It's why Jesus would look out at the crowds and say, if any of you wants to be my follower, if you want to come on a journey that you will never forget, then you must turn from your selfish ways and you take up your cross and you follow me. You see, to embark on this journey requires that we say, that we say yes. That we say yes to a life of discipleship. The same life of discipleship that was practiced and taught by Jesus. We must cast aside our non-discipleship Christianity and submit ourselves to a life of accountability and personal transformation and disciple making. But God will accept you where you are, but to get to where he's going to take you, you can't stay the way that you are. You know, Noah could not continue life as usual and build an ark at the same time. Something had to change. And Abraham could not stay in Ur and father a nation in Canaan. Moses could not stay and enjoy the comforts of the desert and yet stand before Pharaoh at the same time. David knew he was going to have to leave the sheep to become king. And Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they all had to leave their possessions as fishermen to follow Jesus. And you know, we talk about those individuals and others, and, and you can read about a lot of folks in your Bible, especially in Hebrews chapter 11. It goes through this list of individuals who are known as people of great faith. And we talk about those, it's like, oh, that sounds really good. But let's just be honest as we think about these people and the, ch the choices that they made, the chances that they took. These were some crazy dudes and dudettes, right? I mean, if somebody goes and starts building an ark, if your next-door neighbor starts that in the backyard, what are you going to say? Well, isn't he spiritual? 
No! You're going to be putting a, a sign in your yard saying, I'm gone. I mean, right? Before my property value goes down, I'm getting out of here before everybody knows I got a crazy guy living next to me building a boat. These people were crazy. And maybe that's the problem in our culture today. Where did all the crazy people go? Where did all the people crazy for God go? Well, where, where, did, where did it seep into our minds that Christianity was all about what takes place in this room for this time, for these few hours, instead of it being what happens out there? We need crazy people. We, we need people who say, you know what, I'm going to stand up and speak even when everybody else is being quiet. We, we need crazy people who say, you know what, that's not what my relationships are going to look like. We, we need crazy people who are willing to say, you know what, I'm going to live a generous life. We need crazy people who say, I'm going to live for others. We need crazy people who say, you know what, it's not just going to be about Sundays, it's going to be about every days for me. But we, we need people who say, you know what, I am going to speak truly where the Bible speaks. And I'm going to be silent where the Bible is silent. I'm going to be crazy. Because I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus made a mark on the world in which he was in. And the people who followed him, man, they made a mark as well. I know, it's, it's scary though because, well, it's scary because we've just kind of grown accustomed to this non-discipleship idea. And the fact that we can just show up a few times a month to some service and call ourselves Christian. One of the lesser known works in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia series is called The Silver Chair. Anybody ever read that? Seen that one? Just a couple of you literary majors. That's about it. The Silver Chair. Early in the story, the young protagonist, Jill, has her first meeting with the lion, Aslan. And if you know anything about the Chronicles of Narnia series, Aslan is that messianic figure that, that C.S. Lewis brings into the story. And Jill is thirsty. And Jill approaches a stream for a drink when she first notices this grand lion. And so then Lewis describes what happens is Jill must risk being consumed by the lion in order to quench her thirst. Are you not thirsty, said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. May I? Could I? Would you mind going away while I do, said Jill. The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. And as Jill gazed at his motionless bulk, she realized that she might as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you promise not to, not to do anything, not to do anything to me if I do come, said Jill. I make no promise, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she had, she had come to step nearer. Do you eat girls, she said. I have swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It didn't say this as if it were boasting, nor as if it were sorry, nor as if it were angry. It just said it. I dare not come and drink, said Jill. 
then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step nearer. Well, I, I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. There's only one stream, folks. The stream of life. The stream of adventure with God. And I know it can be scary to think about life without whatever has defined us up until this point in time. Life without the career. Life without that unhealthy and unholy relationship. Life without the addiction. Uh, our life pursuit, though, has primarily been secular. It's been more secular than spiritual. If we're honest, we have to say that we have sought to be pleasured and fulfilled by and with anything but God. Now, now look, I understand God hasn't been totally left out of the picture. Like the outfit that hangs in your closet for special occasions, you occasionally slip God on for a day every other weekend or so. But most of the time, God just hangs right there in the closet as you go and, and you pick other outfits that are more appropriate and more suitable for the day. And here's the sad thing. The sad thing is that we have convinced ourselves that this is truly living and that God is truly pleased. So friends, this morning I want to suggest, I want to suggest to you that God has called you to come and drink. It's a call of it's a call to a life of challenge, a life of excitement, a life of sometimes great surprise and, and great adventure. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it to the full. Now, I was reminded what this looked like this last week. Like some of you, I uh, went on Tuesday night to, to the Casting Crowns concert that was here in town. And I met a young girl named Claire. Claire was seven years old. Claire sat right behind me. And Claire knew every single song. Not only did Claire know every single song, Claire wanted to be upstage with Casting Crowns up there on stage. And she thought that she was. And she sat there behind me, and then she stood up in the chair, and she sang to the top of her lungs. And there were times where I didn't listen to the band. I just, I just listened to Claire. And I thought about a seven-year-old boy who went to the bathroom to sing Amazing Grace. Because church was just boring. And I thought about friends of mine who grew up in the youth group with me. And then walked away from their faith in God because they said, I just don't think Christianity has anything to offer. And I thought about men and women who I've seen through my years in ministry who have, who have, struggled, to, who have struggled to overcome their past and who have, who have struggled to truly be followers of Jesus and have just given up and said it's just not, it's just not worth it. And I thought about individuals that I've known who have just gone through the motions 
week after week, mouthing a song here or praying a prayer there and never understanding the way that God desires to fully engage and take over the heart. Friends, if you have been bored in your Christian walk, ask yourself why. It isn't God's fault. Now, it might be it might be the church's fault that you grew up with. I'll give you that. It, it, it might be perhaps the fault of, of some family members who, who showed you a version of Christianity that was not anything close to what Jesus mirrored. It, it, it could be the fault of, of mentors and leaders who, who you'd looked to and, and said... If that's what Christianity is going to be like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. It could be a lot of people's fault, but let's just be honest with something. It could also just be my fault. Right? It could be my fault. It could be my fault because perhaps I have allowed myself, I've allowed myself to enter into a walk with God where I define where he sins and I define what I will do. And then I look around and wonder why I'm so bored. See, I believe that if you will just ask him, he will show you and he will lead you and there's no telling where God has wanted to take you. So saddle up your horses. And get ready to ride. Because God has big plans for you. And it's time that you ask him what adventure he has in store for you. And it's also time that you say, you know what? I am sick and tired of this idea of non-discipleship Christianity where I call the shots. Instead, God, I'm going to let you tell me the person that I need to be and where I need to go. Friends, there is a great adventure out there. And I would like, I would like it if we would, I would like it if we could just capture the energy that we began this message with in the life that we live out beyond these walls. I would like it for us to be able to get up and walk into school tomorrow and say, hey, I got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. And then somebody look and go, are you crazy? You're like, yes, my preacher said we need more crazy people out here. And I'm trying to do that. Right? I, I would love it if we would go into our, our workplaces tomorrow. And that we would offer grace, even when grace isn't offered to us. And people would say, why are you acting like that? Are you crazy? Yes, I'm crazy. Because my preacher said we need more crazy people. And I'm trying to do that. I would love it if we would go into our neighborhoods and if we would go into our community and if we would go into our city and we would actually put the teachings of Jesus into practice and live out a life of discipleship as he has called us to live it. People say, are you crazy with me? Yes, I'm crazy. And guys, I would love it if we would take our secret pet sins that we hope that nobody else knows about and that we would push them far aside and say, God, I'm giving these to you because I'm no longer going to live selfishly. Instead, I'm going to live as if I'm a child of the king. There is no such thing as Christianity without Christ. 
And there is no such thing as life without God. So friends, go and live life and live life to the fullest in the name of Jesus. Will you stand and give God praise this morning?